seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 9-4 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of things, and boy, do we have some stuff to talk about this week. And to get us there, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 94 episodes running, we have somehow managed to keep it together with my main man, Brian Allen. How are you doing this week, dude? Oh, doing good. Uh, we actually might get some rain today. That would be rain nice down in there. Texas in July. Yeah, summer rains down there are a rare things. So that's pretty cool for y'all. So, oh, actually, I realized we didn't. We since we're running out, I don't want to miss weeks because you know once we get to a hundred, I don't know how we're going to do athlete numbers anymore. Yeah, but we have a good one for this week. <laughs> Ninety four. This was a good one. Being a Cowboys fan, though, he got his real start as a 49er, But Charles Haley. Dude was yeah. a beast. Is really I good got to meet thing. him. He was in Lancaster talking to some kids, and it's the only really cool dude. A great interview. Yeah, he's one of those guys that like everybody tells you on the field about how fierce and competitive and whatever he was. But every single person that meets him off the field is like, "Oh, smart guy, like intelligent, business savvy, speaks well, blah blah, all this stuff." Like all these positive things about him. Totally that you like you saw him even on TV when you saw him. He's mostly just like sitting there like ready to get back on the field, focus, like not saying anything, you know, it's like totally different than off the field. But we, I mean, we, he did, he did a lot of real talk about how he kind of let to some extent football destroy his family and, you know, had to rebuild that trust. So it was, I get great interview. That's cool. I will say we missed last week as well. So I, I had to find a good one for 93, but this one I think is more fun in one Ron R. Test, aka oh. <laughs> Meta World Peace. Right. <laughs> Meta World Peace it was the center of one of the biggest brawls in sports history. Well, Ron R. Test was. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. We're doing that now. <laughs> I will yeah, say that though, anybody who never saw that, I, I happened, I remember I happened to tune into that game and I was watching like the fourth quarter. And when it started, the brawl started, I didn't even know what happened. I just remember there being a tense point in the game. I guess up to that point, you know, the commentators are kind of filling you in. The, you know, the players have been getting chippy with each other. There was a technical foul here or there. The refs had, like, separated some players. And then you just see stuff flying from the bench and players running up into the stands. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah, most basketball fights are like, eh, eh, yeah. quit hit me, quit hitting that. You, say, you look away for a second, then it's a full-on wrestle, maybe. Yeah, so I'm like, something bad went down. I, I thought maybe somebody had been, like, shanked or whatever. Like, Well, because, you know, why are athletes going in the stands? You know, I ain't never seen that. And and I will say this. like, it, It's the same thing with pro wrestling, but when you see – Basketball players, you don't realize how big some of them are because they're all right. around other big people. Like they are, some of them are kind of large. <laughs> yeah. So or when you have that one guy that's like Bugsy Bogues or Isaiah Thomas out there, you realize how tall. Oh the yeah, rest of the world. yeah. And what was crazy is apparently the dude that threw his beer right into Ron Artest's face from like six rows up or whatever it was, 
Turns out, after all that investigation and everything, they figured out who it was. The dude apparently was on some type of uh, probation order where he wasn't even supposed to be out drinking or whatever. Because, of course. So then he ended up getting some legal penalty for that. He got banned from their stadium, period. Not even just basketball games. So, like... It was there was so much stuff that came out of that. It was wild. And then, if I remember right, like three guys on one team and two players from the other team got huge suspensions. I think the low end was something like seventeen games, and Ron yeah. Artest was almost a whole season. It was like sixty-seven games or something. You, you something can't let that anything like that happen. You know that, that you that, that could only happen once. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like big old numbers of suspensions. Like never seen anything like that. So. Somebody could have been seriously injured if not killed. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like and there, if you listen to them tell the story, like at one point they stopped each other from doing more damage to somebody because they knew like, hey, whoa, we got to pull this back. You know. But yeah, for those of you who don't know, go do a search on YouTube on Malice at the Palace. Like it's it's a it sounds like a pay per view of some kind. Yeah, for real. But it's it's a pretty wild incident. If you don't know anything about it, you never saw it. Like it's it's one of those weird moments in sports. Which, by the way, though they shouldn't have run up in the stands, the dude who got got his butt beat kind of had it coming. I ain't gonna lie. Like you're gonna go throwing beer right into somebody's face, cup and all, like to somebody who's literally just laying there. Yeah, you kind of deserve to get your butt beat. You know, you can, there, there's a lot of people you could have poured your beer on, and it's hey, you <laughs> cut that out, you Ron Artest. Yeah. Not, if you can pick somebody that if you're gonna pick, who's the person on that court most likely to punch me at the grill? It's Ron Artest. But, but I'll be <laughs> honest, though, like, world peace. you you're a sports fan. You know, there's sometimes fans think they are entitled and can get away with way more than yeah. what they really should be able to. You got the right to holler, I feel. You don't have the right yeah. to pour your beverage on people. Oh, even I've seen be- some crazy before, things. Even before COVID, you, you, I never felt you had the right to, to pour food on people. Dude, we, we don't forget the incident with like the, the the Philadelphia fans throwing the snowballs with batteries in them or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's Philly some things that have gone down that are crazy. Breed. Like, fans got to chill sometimes. That's why every once in a while I'm like, it ain't right, but you kind of deserved it. <laughs> like for folks that don't know, Phil, the old Veteran Stadium had an actual jail. Yep. That's how often Philly fans get out of control. They they had a judge that would always be there on weekends just so they could process you and let you still go home. <laughs> That's a true fact, <laughs> which is insane, really, yeah, when you think about just- it. That's the kind of stuff where people that don't like sports, I understand. You're just like, okay, how can you even justify this? Because yep. football, that's how. It was that bad. Well, all right. Before we get down to the business of the rest of the show, now that we went on a giant tangent. By the way, y'all <laughs> let us know if <laughs> y'all enjoy these tangents or not. Because sometimes I just leave them in because they're fun stories. But I have no idea if people appreciate that or not. But. We do want to remind everybody, if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash magic. And if you want to support one of our supporters, you can go do business over at cardsphere.com. Those are some amazing folks. They do a good job helping us get our reach out for the show and everything else, retweeting our stuff. But they are also really big supporters of other Magic content creators. Really good people, too. So go give them some love. If you're looking for a way to sell some cards and or buy cards, you know, a little bit easier, maybe a little bit of a cheaper price, go check them out. And finally, Can't confirm you, everything he said about cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great folks. 
And if you want to get something for yourself, go check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. You can get you some tokens or some play mats, and we will mail them around the world. And if you get a couple items, we'll give you some free shipping. So there you go. Now we get to down to business because there's a lot of things to cover this week. And this one, I don't even know if this is a good like soapbox rant. It's kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm in a weird place with this one. I'm going to call this one more of a, a, a gear grinding than a rant. But we talked to, well, we, we touched on Shikari Richardson. If you don't know, she was the track runner, finished first, was going to compete in the Olympics. Her post-race test came back with traces of marijuana, so she was not allowed to compete. Uh, she was suspended by the U.S. Olympic team for whatever it was, 30 days or whatever, and she wasn't able to go to the Olympics. Which, you know, we all have our stance on weed not really being a thing. It's already been legalized in X number of states and all this. But you're not supposed to do it as an Olympian. She knew that. She was going through some stressors, smoked some weed, came up in a test. Whatever. But then, during the Olympics, you get some really bad optics. Because you have two white athletes that are openly promoting CBD from, I believe a company was owned by one of the athlete's sisters or something. And you know, that whole thing. And though I get it, THC and CBD are not the same exact same things, but it doesn't look good from a public perspective because they're linked in a lot of discussions, you know, and that's on the one hand, I get it. Like this is the, this is the drug we have said is okay. You can use this. This is the one we said is not okay. You can't use this one. Even though, again, they're related, but not the same. And it's just like, you already had to deal with all of the people being upset about the whole Shikari Richardson thing. Hell, on top of that, all the, the swim caps for black hair or whatever, that was a thing. You know, just all these things that led up to this. And then you have this going on during the Olympics. And just like, it's just a feel bad all around, man. Like it's just a, it's a PR fail. Really. It's almost like the competition that we've been having is just to see who can, you know, basically who can just pile on and, and hate on black women the most is what this feels like. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even, and again, it was two white women. So you couldn't even be like us, oh, two white guys. Like, Nope. They, they went with white women. And after you have black women getting beat down on, right? And I'm not saying the people involved are at fault or anything. Like they're just promoting their business and doing their thing. You know, it's only yeah. Person. But somebody behind the scenes should have realized, hey, this is a horrible optic. You know, we'll we'll, we'll promote you some other time or which, I don't know. They're probably I'm sure there's contracts in place where they probably couldn't I'm, pull out of this. But man, it's a terrible look. It I'm with you. Like I had the exact same thought. Like look. To, to me, it was like somebody should have stepped back and said, hey, with all the negative press we're getting, we should probably not run this ad. Like, let's not have this discussion, this interview at this time. Like, yeah, the money would be nice or whatever, but this probably isn't what we need to be doing right now. But right. It's with this Olympic it's chaos right now. And I guess it's since I've kind of sort of brought it up how many trashy takes that we see talking about Simone Biles just in the past two or three days oh my god 
I can't how many even. people say, you know, you just, you know, Tom Brady or, you know, Drew Brees would never do this. Aaron Rodgers is in the training camp right now. Yeah. Like, hasn't shown up. Not sure if he's going to show up. And part of the reason is he's not showing up because he's just not. He's just unhappy with somebody around there. Yeah, he's got a list of demands where if you do X, Y, Z, maybe he'll show up and play for you. But he no, that, here's trained. here's one I wanted to throw at people, like because we call Michael Jordan the goat, and we're calling Simone Biles the goat. Jordan had mental issues, and he just whole ass left the sport for three years. He up and left, and then decided, you know what? A year and a half later, like I'm gonna try playing baseball for a year. Like, okay. And now people come back and they say, like, well, it's different. They're trying to say it was gambling issues or whatever. Either way, he had mental stressors. And he decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore. So all those times people talk about, well, the only reason that Hakeem and the Rockets got championships because Jordan wasn't there or whatever. Well, you know what? He wasn't there. (laughs) Right. So they couldn't go to Birmingham and make that man play. You know, Bugs Buddy was the only one who could figure out how to do that. Yeah, and and let's be real. Like, if I remember right, his father had passed, and some other stuff exactly. had happened. So, like, and I, I guess get it. he had, you know, probably when he was seventeen or eighteen, promised his dad that he would try to play baseball. Then all of a sudden, realized he was the best basketball player in the world, <laughs> and forgot all about that. But yeah, just and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying he is wrong for doing it. No, the same way that Simone Biles, that. like, if you do truly mentally are not in a place to do it, then don't. And honestly, we don't know what she's been going through because she did mention she's had things she was already going through and already seeing counselors and already taking medicine. So it may not even be related to sport. She's just not saying what that thing is. And that's cool. That's her privacy. We don't need to know. But I did see a story from another performer i think she said she was a a diver training for the olympics and she talked about how part of what you the way she okay i'll I'll see if i can remember to link it in the show notes i'll have to find it again but her explanation was trying to equate what they do as far as like flipping spinning whatever between the two sports kind of how you do with driving right you get used to these patterns that you do comfortably regularly switching lanes getting into traffic whatever that you don't have to think a lot about because you do them regularly but when you're in a bad mental state that's how accidents happen right you forget to look over your shoulder or turn on your blinker or whatever it is and you get hit and said well the same thing happens to athletes that if they're not mentally there their body's not connecting the motions they need to do with what they're used to to feeling while they're in the air or whatever. And it can lead to them getting injured. And you saw some of that with Simone Biles where like her hand placement was bad on the vaults and like her landings were weird. And she, on a couple of, one of them, she almost like stepped or fell off the actual pad at the end. So like you could lead to a real injury if you tried to push through that potentially. So I don't falter at all. That people don't realize comparing, trying to compare basketball, football, you can, you can have a basketball game where you go out there and your team plays horribly for three and a half quarters, but you can figure it out in the last, you know, three minutes of the game and still win the game. Hell, Kobe Jim, did that one time where he was just yeah. like, fine, I'm I'm just going to keep passing the ball, whatever. 
And then they were down by like 12. And he's like, okay, fine. Fourth quarter. Now I'm going to play ball and show y'all. <laughs> Gymnastics. If you plant wrong one time, you ain't getting a 10. Sorry. The <laughs> best you can get is maybe a 9.2 or something. Shoot. If you plant wrong, you might be done. Yeah. Break your leg or your knee or something. And that's it. But yeah, so I don't blame the, her. The like the margin for error that they have is virtually non-existent. Yeah, I will say it's tough though seeing people, you know, talk about it when one we already have bad conversations about mental health in the US yeah. anyway at everything we do, every level. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the dinner table too. But we don't even know if her issue is even related to the sport or the pressure of the sport. Like, we literally have no idea, and people are trying to pass judgment. Same thing like Shakari Richardson. The only reason she was smoking weed is that she had her mother die, and she wasn't dealing with it well. Not only that, you know, she found out from a reporter, which is probably... Yeah, also wild. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, is a thing that, you know, I've talked to people where they sometimes, you know, you don't even know you're the first person there, but sometimes the reporter is the first person there. Yeah, it's so, not how you want to do it, but it just unfortunately that that's how it happens sometimes. I mean, I get it though. You know where it comes from is, you know, you're going to go by the goat, you're going to accept the goat moniker, and people are going to put that type of pressure on you, unfortunately. And it sucks. It, it comes with the territory, so I get that. You know, but at the same time, I don't know what she's going through. So I mean, I hope she gets through it, whatever it is. But. She obviously wasn't doing well. I mean, there you and I went back and watched some of it where you can see her kind of like talking to I, I guess there's a there's a personal coach and then the team coach or something. And you can see her like kind of go to both of them and looks a little bit off and then she competes and she doesn't look happy. And then she goes back and talks to them. So like something was already bothering her even before the thing happened. So, again, could be pressure. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's definitely interesting. Uh, if nothing else, but we, it, I hope th- this comes back too to the, to the tennis player we were talking about, right. you know, like, Naomi Osaka. yeah, which by the way, people are mad because she's competing for the Japanese team, even though she's Japanese. Exactly. Part <laughs> yeah, of me is like, just... one, she's Japanese Two, the way the American public treated her. I wouldn't compete for us neither. I, F y'all like you're just going to have to eat it. But yeah, but it's that same thing, right? Like somebody's dealing with something mentally. Cool. Let's understand what it is first. Then if you want to have that conversation for whatever, fine. But just throwing out barbs for no reason doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We got to normalize talking about mental health in this country. And I get it because even though I'm not any kind of an athlete, just as a writer, I too was raised in that culture of, hey, you know, you you go out there, you play hurt, you rub some dirt on it. I don't care if it's a dislocated shoulder. I was covering a practice one day. No lie. The coach gets up here and says, y'all, I just buried my mother 45 minutes ago and I'm out here. So why are you not out here? Uh, I'm thinking, coach, that's not a good thing. I mean, that's not just, what we need to normalize. Cool. If this is how you grieve, yeah, <laughs> like like you do I, your thing, but but don't put that pressure. Don't you put that head on me, Bobby Rick, Ricky right? Bobby. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't put that on a bunch of high school kids. I saw another situation where a kid had been—I hate to say it—almost brainwashed. He's 
He's won state. Great for that team. He's talking about how, you know, yeah, when COVID happened, a lot of people stopped coming to practice. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, they didn't want to die. I get it. We don't need to be shaming them for deciding, you know what, life is more important than football. Oh, I got to re- tell people, I guess we got to give a fair warning. Occasionally, Brian's going to be popping in and out a little bit, sounding slightly robotic, but I think it's just his connection with the weather and the rain that's happening down there. <laughs> so if it happens, we apologize. We can't control technology, unfortunately. Uh, but you know what? Let's move on. Let's talk about what we learned last week. Because we're always trying to learn things and be better around here. So, Brian, what did you learn last week? Well, as uh, you know, if you watched any election coverage just this past cycle, the Bushes and the Trumps don't get along very well. Nope, they don't. So, so here in Texas, George P. Bush, yeah, he's, you know, one of those Bushes. He's trying to get his political career, you know, started and wants to run for attorney general in Texas. My man has been bending over backwards. I mean, to the point of pretty much turning his back on his family, trying desperately to get Trump's endorsement and Trump left him hanging. Too bad. So sad. (laughs) Trump has endorsed his opponent. I mean, George P. Bush apparently went so far as to even retweet something where Trump was talking about his mama. Damn. I mean, he, he is all in kissing the ring and apparently is going to get no benefit from it. How do you go back home for the holidays after that? Like, yeah, I would you, you went all in and then lost. Right. That's rough. Like, I mean, it is politics. So, so his family might've been in on it, but still, that's got to be a rough conversation. Under ordinary circumstances, I'd say, yeah, it's just politics. But I mean, Trump has talked. Well, I mean, Trump talks about everybody like a dog, but especially this man went in on the Bushes, who are you know Republican Texas royalty and have been for decades. Dude, what are you talking about? He insulted Ted Cruz's dad and wife. Yeah, it's it's good. Even if you don't like people like Ted Cruz, and I am no fan of Ted Cruz, it's just painful to watch people crawl like this. Yeah, but I, I think we're seeing a lot of what you're seeing where, you know, it's month after month, Trump comes out with the thing saying, oh, well, you know, they're going to turn this around or we're going to invalidate this election or this, this truth's going to come out or whatever. Okay, now people have been waiting now like six months and ain't nothing happened. So at some point, I think people are starting to feel the embarrassment a little bit. They would have to be. Combined just... combined with all the evidence we're seeing from the whole January 6th stuff. Because we, I, oh, actually, speaking of, and I shared this on my Twitter. Feel free to go check that out. But, like, did you see the testimony from the officers as part of that initial hearing? Because they're doing some hearings, I guess, to try to decide what they need to investigate or look into or yeah. whatever. So they're doing some early info gathering. And dude, some of the guys talking about how like people just came up and they they were dropping some N words with some hard R's. Yeah. On these officers. Like quoted from one of them saying, put that gun down and we'll show you what type of N word you are. And like, I think why when, I gotta put the gun down. I think when people <laughs> see that though. 
I think that's when people who were saying like, oh, no, it wasn't violent or no, it wasn't this or no, it wasn't motivated by race and no. what. And then when you see that being corroborated by three, four, five officers that were there. You know, some of them saying they've had to have meetings. They're going there and counseling. So there's a bunch of stuff that's on record. You know, so when you see that, I think other people go like, ah, damn, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, and I and you're starting to see more of that as more of this is coming to light. So hopefully it continues. And the Republicans have talked because every senator or congressman I've seen interviewed this week for the GOP has in use and said, Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't had time to watch the hearings. Okay. Yeah. Wait till you do. <laughs> oh man. Uh another news other fun Olympic stuff. Because there's been all types of crazy stories. You know, there was a dude who's in his seventh Olympic Games. You know, we had an 18 year old win the first like gold medal for the U.S. in Taekwondo, just a, a whole bunch of stuff. But the coolest thing to me was that a Philippines woman, Filipino woman by I believe her name is Hidalyn Diaz. She, she won the first gold medal for the Philippines ever. In weightlifting, of all things. And I just thought, dude, what does that got to be like when you go home and you are the gold medalist for the country? Because, like, most countries, there's at least a handful. You know, then the larger countries like the U.S., China, Japan, Great Britain, whatever. You have several, right? So it's not, it's nice. You're still celebrated. But, like, imagine being the first and only. Right? We think about how much money Caitlyn Jenner is making from gold medals from what at this point, I don't know, 50 years ago. Yeah. And we got a thousand gold medals. And yeah, as you said, imagine being the only one. Just I would, for 10% of what she is probably going to make in ad revenue. Well, I also and... told people like, how many international stars can you even name from the Philippines right now? The only one I could think of was Manny Pacquiao. For sports, yeah, that'd be the only one I can think of. I'm sure somebody yeah. will probably t- tell us somebody just obviously. Oh, yeah, it was probably like Pacquiao a celebrity, was... like an actor or something. Yeah. But I was just thinking that in sports, they don't have that many. So that's got to make her stock even higher. And I, and, that, and I always wonder, too, what does that do for, like, the sport? of weightlifting or women's weightlifting or whatever in that country. Like that's got to motivate people. Right. So that's going to like, absolutely think that, so, that would be a fun story to follow of her over the next like couple of years leading up to the next Olympics and see one, how her life changes and how the sport changes within the country of the Philippines. I think that could be very cool. But yeah. Just a really neat thing that, uh, you know, kind of one of the things I do like about the Olympics is a lot of those types of, stories that come out over the years but we do have some serious news to talk about this week so let's get into the uh gaming specific stuff that people are probably not really going to want to talk much about but we probably need to so i don't know how you would have dodged this news if you're listening to this unless you've been under a rock or maybe I don't know, dealing with delivering a kid over the last couple of days in the hospital or something and just staying away from the news. But Blizzard Activision 
is a hot mess right now. And that's probably putting it politely. Uh, also, if you're a patron, we have a pretty extensive coverage of this, by the way, on an episode for you. That'll be going up probably same time this is live. So feel free to check that out. But there's, well, let's, short version, State of California decided Blizzard Activision has screwed up so badly that they just filed a suit against them and took them to court. And there are some extensive filings. So they have obviously done some info gathering ahead of time, evidence gathering. And man, I have to go back and look, but there were several statements of evidence being submitted with the case. And some of them are rough. We won't go into too many details, but I will say if you want to read it and get caught up on it, be warned that if you have any type of trauma around abuse or sexual harassment or sexuality of any kind, I would stay away from the document. It's it's that bad. Like, And I will say this as a dude who is com- at least unaffected by these. I don't have those traumas or whatever. I felt pretty dirty when I was done reading them. Yeah, as somebody that's been, been covering the game industry for decades now, we just, you know, it, it's worse than Riot Games, if you can believe that. If you read any of the stuff that's going on at Riot. It's- Shoot, Riot looks like a misdemeanor right now. Frightening, but pretty much accurate. Like, I mean, God, the stuff, man, the stuff was just top to bottom. Like, and and I think what's what's so wild about it is that it's not. And like I said, I'm not going to try to get too graphic about what's in there. But. It's that it was so pervasive. From. The upper corporate structure to H.R., to just random people in the office. And it covers so much from just day-to-day business operations to how they mistreated employees, people not getting properly promoted or paid to, like we said, sexual harassment. I mean, it's just like, you look back and say like, was any part normal? It's hard to imagine what that part would have been. Yeah. Not, you know, paint everybody with the same brush, but good Lord, as you said, there's just so many incidents that you wouldn't think would happen at any kind of major corporation. And don't get me wrong. I accept that we across the board need to do better for women particularly, but for several marginalized groups in corporate business. But man, even this stuff was off the charts for stuff that should be happening. And remember, I did a YouTube video about it a few months ago where people asked Blizzard, hey, would you just do just a basic commitment to say we're going to try to do better about hiring women and minorities and, and more diversity? And they said, no, we, we, we're fine. We, we think we're doing a great job, so we're not going to offer up any more in that regard. Dude, there's footage. I want to say it's from like BlizzCon from from yeah five, six years ago where they have a woman who comes up and she pretty much asks about 
you know, the background of the characters and why they all have to look a certain way or whatever. It looked like they came out of like a Victoria's Secret catalog or yeah. whatever. And then the I think it was five dudes up on the panel. They're just joking about it and making light of it. And like, well, I guess the next time I make a woman, we'll pull the body shape out of a different catalog and blah, blah, blah. And like making all these jokes. And I'm like, that that was already a sign for people. Yeah, tone deaf doesn't even begin to describe. Yeah, so like it, in a, it makes everything that you read in this report make so much sense. Yeah, but you're talking in a room full of people, they didn't even have the wherewithal to acknowledge it. Like, you're right. Maybe we should have some like heavier set female characters, or maybe they don't all need big boobs or long legs or whatever. That's all they would have had to say. Like, By the way, right. that's an industry-wide problem, but everybody yes. is not holding a panel full of dudes talking about it and just having a laugh about it. And that's the thing. Joking about what she said and insulting her effectively is, was the problem with it. There was so many other responses they could have had. Even if it was just a simple, like, you know, maybe that is something we should look at. So, you know, we'll, we'll, t we'll make note and, and get back to you on that. And that's it. You could have went on to the next question. But instead, they decided to make jokes about it. Well, the, the report describes a frat boy culture. And that, yeah, that's pretty much that's it. I'll be honest. I bet there's some frats that would be upset. Yeah. Reading this. <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I'm being dead serious. I'm, I'm aware of a couple of frats that would read that and they probably would have expelled some people. I, I will mention just one detail that we as we were doing the pre-show, this was coming across. There's apparently a hotel suite that they use that they referred to as the Bill Cosby suite. For and yeah, you, <laughs> reasons you know what you, goes down there. Yeah, and of course they're trying to say, oh, it, it wasn't about that. It was you know because of uh, the room was decorated like the 1980s. Nobody is believing that. There's now, pictures of them, you know, being a bunch of guys surrounded a Bill Cosby portrait looking, you know, looking ridiculous. I will say that credit to the Blizzard Activision employees that they did have a walkout today, which you can search social media. Lots of people are talking about it. Lots of pictures of them outside with their signs and everything else. And I've seen some stuff going around Facebook earlier today, too, about don't cross the picket line effectively. Yeah. So they're trying to get as many people to boycott playing a bunch of their games today. And I think tomorrow I have to go back and look at the thing, but at least today for sure. So it's been an interesting week and just this. I mean, literally, and I, like I said, I read it and I was just like the hell like, I mean, seriously, I, there are things I, cause I, and I, and we talk like I said we go deeper in in the the private episode but I look at that and I think about okay there are things bad people do that at least I can understand how they get to where they want to do that but there are things in this document that I'm like what in your right mind made you think one that it was acceptable and two to just do out in the open at a workplace at a international billion dollar company when you suffer no consequences for your actions. And and you're holding down a six-figure-plus job. Like, And that's the thing that got me, is none of this was being done in secret. It wasn't like 
oh, well, we're going to go, you know, let me call you into my office or whatever. Like, there was stuff just, they were talking about, they just paraded it around the office. Like, which is crazy. Like, just makes no sense at all. When you see people not suffer any consequences for their actions for years and get paid the biggest salaries in the industry for years and work on games like Overwatch, Call of Duty, it's a... Hell, according to the document, some of them weren't even working. They were showing up and playing video games and just delegating to women and other groups below them that were doing all the work. And then not even promoting those people. It's crazy. I, I, and then if anybody asks, say, oh no, we're very diverse. We got all that taken care of. We don't need to, we don't need to put anything in writing. It's it's man, it's it's a story for the ages, for sure. And but, uh, you know, I was reading a column in the LA Times, they're saying that if this was, you know, if this was a, a TV network that had done this or a movie studio, it'd be the biggest story in entertainment right now. But because it's a video game company, it's not getting that same level of play. It's primarily being covered by sites that cover games. Honestly, that's probably why they got away with it for so long. Yeah, that too. But yeah, it's, I mean, mm. like I said, I read it and I literally got done. I was just like, I I felt crappy and I wasn't even one of the perpetrators. Like, I mean, that's seriously how I felt when I got done with it. Because I felt like every instance of the, like, it almost like it got worse the more you read. Like you read the next thing and you're like, ah, man, that's pretty effed up. And then you read the next thing, and you're like, gosh, damn, that's effed up, too. And then by the end, you're just throwing your arms up and going like, what the hell, man? And like, you know, like, how? That's really all I had was just how. And, and like I said, I get it. You, Some people are trying to hold down jobs. It's the best job they probably had to that point. There's benefits. You know, they, they may have stuff they're needing to take care of their kids or pay off their house or whatever. So they're trying to hold on to the job. But, man, there's a point where, like, some like I, I couldn't I mean mad props to the people that are being mistreated and were able to put up with it for so long. Cause I don't think I could have. The level of stuff going on at every single level, every part of the job. Like there's just no way. It wasn't like it was one or two employees that I could be like, yeah, Joe in my office, like the dude's an ass, like he's always saying these things or doing whatever. Like it, it sounded like it was a good, a very large percentage of the office. I don't know if that's 20%, 50%, whatever, but enough that there is a series, several instances that have been reported. And there's stuff from workplace, from trips, from conventions. You know, like I said, it covers day to day work, promotions, pay, people's physical beings, just like, Literally, I don't know if a single part was untainted. And that that's probably what makes it the most crazy. Because usually, like I said, when this stuff comes up, it's like, all right, the boss was doing some shady stuff or two or three managers got together and were doing a thing regularly on the side and it came to light or whatever. But this is just people just doing stuff at work and thinking it's okay, joking about and it. Usually they make some kind of effort to hide the shady, ridiculous thing they're doing. This is just out in the open. Yeah, that's the part that's, that gets me. It's like it was so pervasive that people just didn't care about hiding it anymore. They just showed up to work 
doing it. Now we've seen this, you know, at Riot Games, Ubisoft, Blizzard. We have, at this point, an industry-wide issue that we got to deal with it. Yeah. And talking about it openly is one of the first steps in 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 dealing with, again, what is it, just an issue that's going on throughout our industry. So, you know, like I said, credit credit to the staff that put up with it as long as they have. Credit to the ones participating in the lot walk out today it's it's not an easy thing to do not easy time and they will probably still be talking about this for the next couple of years because it's this is not something that goes away in in three four months like hell this court case won't even probably get resolved for over a year you know and then you're still gonna have all the rebuilding you're gonna be firing people you're gonna have people i don't know probably taking some type of reformative classes or something for, for all we know, they may even have to administer healthcare professionals for some of this stuff. Like, there's, yeah, it's a mess, man. It's a mess. But let's move on to this. There's some other news. For those of you that play Magic the Gathering Arena, there's more cards coming for Historic, but they're coming in the form of Jumpstart, which Jumpstart actually was pretty fun. I think people had a good time with that. It was a very fun format. Yeah, the idea of it was neat. However, this next one being Jumpstart Historic Horizons, as they're calling it, will not have a paper equivalent because this also includes cards exclusive to just Arena and historic for that matter, that would not work otherwise in paper because they're trying to take advantage of the digital space and platform. Also, the other problem I have with this is that there are 782 cards in this offering, which sounds like that's damn near everything from Modern Horizons 1 and 2 and some. That is a stupid amount of cards. <laughs> yeah. So, to me, this compounds a bigger problem. And if you have... Let's just say you haven't been playing Arena for more than a year. For you to play Historic at this point is prohibitively expensive. And don't get me wrong. I think, generally speaking... I know some people disagree with me. But generally speaking, Arena is not that expensive to play. Assuming you're not trying to build like a new deck every couple of weeks or whatever. But when you're trying to play Historic, just acquiring the cards you need is going to be a super daunting issue. And I got to say, wouldn't it be nice to be able to afford to build a new deck every two weeks? That doesn't seem like an unreasonable request, I got to say. Maybe, but I, but I don't even know if that's necessary. Like... I get the want. Don't get me wrong. I would. I don't think it would be bad if people could. But if you can put together a new reasonably competitive or top tier deck every three and a half to four weeks, that's not that bad. <laughs> but no, no, no. Being real, it's really not. It's really not. Yeah. I mean, I can't do that really with any other games I play. I would argue you could do that in a couple of games. It hasn't been my experience. So unless I want to play a lot, you know, and that's the thing. That aside, neither of those things really is applied to historic. When you're talking about historic, it's a whole different problem. Because 
it's a whole backlog of cards you have no way to get. You can't just easily acquire the packs. And even if you do, it's random. Like, you can spin some wild cards or whatever, but it's not like in standard where if you build a deck, okay, you're still going to use those cards maybe in the next deck or the lands are going to apply to a thing or whatever. Like, the next deck you play in Historic is probably going to be completely different. Especially even more so when you're talking about adding all these, these I guess we'll call it Historic Horizons cards that are going to be in there. And if it's like the first Jumpstart, well, there really isn't a way to acquire that except for playing more Jumpstart. So you're going to have to play Jumpstart to get your hands on cards, which that's still partially random. And then once it's done, you still may not have the cards you need. So, you, like, it's... I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, even with... even That's one of the major complaints about Jumpstart the first time was that you really had to play an insane amount. If you were, It just almost wasn't even possible to try to complete the set during the limited time you were allowed to play Jumpstart. Yeah, so I don't know about this one. Like this I This compounds that problem. And the and the thing is too, I I don't know if it's good or bad having that clear delineation between digital and paper space. Part cuz part of the problem for me is that let's say we do the next digital historic events. Well, you're going to be watching cards that have no paper equivalent that nobody could be excited about or see a cool thing and be like, oh, I'm going to go put this in my deck because like it's just not going to exist. You know, so I'm not like even from a PR perspective or a sales perspective, like I don't understand the benefit. Like I get from a programmer side, like wanting to do cool things with magic that you can't do in paper. So the experience is kind of neat, but to have them. Yeah, I mean, be, I'm a fan of them doing that. Yeah, I, I think it's neat. But like I said, when you still have the, the other games that do it, don't have a paper equivalent. Like, to my knowledge, there's nothing that exists in Pokemon, let's say, the digital Pokemon game that don't exist in paper. But you do have stuff in Hearthstone, Runeterra, Soulforge, whatever, that do things that only digital cards can do because you don't have to worry about a paper equivalent. Now, you know, Magic's in a unique situation to try it and see what happens. But I don't even know. Like, the idea of it, I don't mind. But I don't know what that leads to, even. And it's a shame, because Jumpstart, to me, is one of the most positive things they've done recently. And because, you know, because of the historic announcement, now it's just all the publicity. Well, it's all, but a lot of publicity here is negative, because... Yeah, that a thing that seems like a lot of people want. I just don't even think realistically Jumpstart even needs to have unique cards in it. I think if Jumpstart would have just had quality cards in it that people wanted or played with, they still would have played it and bought it. So it's, I don't know, it, it's a very difficult one to gauge here because I do think there's some positives. Like I said, trying out new things in the digital space, you know, bringing. Some cards, for, or I guess the majority of the cards, it sounds like, from the Modern Horizon sets. But then that raises another question of are we trying to jump from Arena being historic and standard to just adding in Modern and skipping over Pioneer? Poor Pioneer. 
I mean, maybe I don't like I say, I don't know. Maybe they still want to do pirate, but like right now we have no idea. Like this doesn't, this doesn't fit a timeline of anything that I would have suggested or predicted. So I don't know what the plan or the goal is. Pioneer is already on the ground and it feels like they're just kicking it while, you know, while they're down there. Yeah. But like it, it would have made more sense to me to say, okay, let's rewind a little bit. And let's add in a couple of the Innistrad sets and maybe a couple of the previous Zendikar sets so we can start building up Pioneer so people can play Pioneer on Arena. And then over the next two or three years, okay, let's add a couple more sets so we can get closer to having Modern and Arena or whatever. But it feels very weird to just go like, okay, well, we're going to skip all this and just add, not only just that, just adding Modern Horizons. We're not even adding all the other sets that make up Modern. So even that's a jump that feels weird. So I I don't know what to do with this product. And if I was a fan of Historic heavily, I would not be happy about it because I feel like that's a lot of cards. And if even just, I don't know what, maybe 20% are going to be rare mythics, that's still a lot of cards still a lot to have to craft or build with or whatever, or even take into consideration to play against. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel weird about it. And then again, 31 of them that are only in arena and only do arena or digital things, you know, that cards can't. So that's going to be awkward too. How many of them are even playable that you want to have or not? Like, and how does that change deck building or game states? Or I have no clue, man. I like the exploration. I like the idea, but I think this execution on it, not the way to go. I mean, I guess the question is like, as much as a fan of you are the first jump start, are you going to be playing this one? I mean, I think I'm going to because it's a fun format, and I'm not somebody that needs to have all of the cards. Okay, that's fair. I kind of give it up on you know, just set completion. I, I get when a set comes out, I figure out which decks I want to build. That's what I prioritize, and I just don't. I just have just accepted that completing these sets is not going to be a part of my arena experience because I'm not going to put in that much money or time. I mean, that's fair. I don't even complete sets in paper, you know, so. I, I kind of get it. I normally just acquire what I need to play with, and that's kind of it in the end. I mean, obviously, I still end up with extra cards or whatever, but eh. I I think the only Jumpstart I played were just because I had some viewers who wanted to see me play Jumpstart because they were into it, you know, while I was out. And I think the most recent time, because they just brought it back, you know, was it like a month ago or something? And... I decided to not play it just because I didn't actually no, I did. I think I played a game actually again because viewers had asked and that was it. And people are like, oh, I'm surprised you're not playing more. I'm like, it just doesn't do much for me. I mean, I already have the cards I would want out of it. If there's rare stuff, if I decide to play historic, I will go make the cards, I guess. But I, I think in paper, it's an even better product than it is digital for just re in i think it's benefit to me is re-engaging players that have lapsed for one reason or another where they like played magic and you know maybe they had a kid or they had to go off to school or whatever and got pulled away from it for a bit 
it's a very easy jumping on point and it's familiar and it's simple. And if you each buy a couple of packs, you can mix and match and try different things. So there's a lot of benefits to it, I think. But yeah, this this uh, iteration of Jumpstart, I feel weird about. But there's also some other funny news here. And this is more like funny hee hee more than funny ha ha. But it came to light over the last, uh, what, 10 days or so that Amazon Game Studios has a game called New World. And it apparently is destroying people's video cards. Which It's called New, that new World. It's New Computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need new, at least a new video card. And honestly, this isn't like, oh, okay, this is burning up three-year-old video cards. No, this is top-tier video cards, which is why it made news. And originally, people thought it was just going to be on the NVIDIA 30 series, you know, which the 3090 is a boss of a GPU. And apparently, the game sets itself up to where it pushes the graphics so hard. It try. My understanding is it tries... The video cards try to compensate by running at t- almost 20% higher rate than they're rated for, which obviously leads to them burning out. And then after the initial stories came out, turns out it wasn't even just for the 3090s. It was for pretty much the whole upper tier of the NVIDIA cards, as well as the AMD cards. Now, you could make adjustments in your settings or whatever and obviously reduce quality a little bit and how hard they're driving but most people weren't doing that obviously you're like hey i got this badass video card i'm gonna play on max settings because that's what we do as gamers you spend the money that's what you bought the high-end video card. exactly you got your your i9 fired up you've got your or your ryzen card or cpu you got your brand new video card you got all your memory in there you're ready to go you fire it up and you know 20 minutes later you're like wow what's that smell And why is my game not working? And then you open up your computer case to see that your video card's done. And it was bad enough that uh, in the initial story, I found one of the producers of the video cards, which, by the way, for those you don't know, video cards are basically, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of open sourced. Like NVIDIA makes a certain level of card and then companies can produce their versions of it or whatever with you know, all that. So um, one of the companies was just doing straight up returns. Like it was bad enough that they weren't even waiting to get the old video cards back. They were just like, cool, you filed your issue. I'm just sending you a new video card. Send us the other one. If not, within so many days, I'll charge you. Normally they wait for you to send back the broken one and then they send you the new one. They weren't even waiting around because they knew it was already that big of an issue. It was that common. So I don't know how that even happens man because shout like, out to you know the, the, the late paul moody but i feel like uh negro Dobbins because last week what did i say about amazon apparently it's easier for them to launch people into space than it is to make a video game <laughs> and that's before wrong. i knew anything about this yeah you, you ain't wrong Crucible was just a bad game. It wasn't fun to play. It didn't destroy anybody's anybody's you know video cards. I don't even. I like. I tried to do a quick search, but because I couldn't remember one. But I don't know if this has ever happened. 
I've never heard of anything like this before. Where a game has come out and it's able to destroy top-end video cards with with no fault of the user. Because it's one thing if you're trying to like overclock your cards and whatever, yeah. and you just you just push your settings too far. But this is just I put the game in, set it to max, and ran with it. And you know, by the end of my gaming session, I don't have a GPU. And like I could end up being wrong, but I seriously doubt if you wanted to, if you just said, hey, this is going to be the last game I play for a while. I've heard nothing to indicate that you want New World to be the last game you play till you get a new video card. Yeah, that's rough. And and I don't even know, like, if other, I need to go do a follow-up. If other companies have started opening up their return policy, if Amazon's reimbursing some of these companies or what, I don't, I don't know what the back-end business side looks like right now. I wonder how many times you got to fail before you say, hey, you know what? We're not good at making video games because this is <laughs> maybe, man. I don't, I don't know. They have money to throw around. That's for sure. This is true. They can afford to throw as much money at the problem as anybody. But man, this is yeah, Crucible just this makes Crucible look like a hit. <laughs> yeah, Crucible was a complete and total disaster, but you know, it wasn't burning up video cards. So they're getting worse, not better. Yeah. Just just let that be a warning. If you plan to play New World, uh, reduce your settings before you pop it into your game because uh, you don't want to lose an expensive $1,000 video card. This other thing here, it's just kind of an interesting bit of language I think I wanted to touch on. But I started playing Storybook Brawl. You know, for those of you that don't know, it's an auto battler where you draft your teams and they all have different abilities. But it's all based around mythical and storybook characters of different kinds. But the game is actually very difficult for me, which, you know, could be also because I'm just crappy at the game. But, you know, it is what it is. So I started talking to people and asking them about different things and tips or whatever, because I think I finished like third once, fourth a couple times, and then the rest are just blowouts. And several times I heard people say like, oh, well, remember that fourth place is a win. I was like, well, that's weird. Like the first time I heard somebody say it, I was like, eh, it's really not, but okay. And then a couple other people mentioned that in my DMs and I had a couple people post to it all on Twitter. And I was like, this is strange. So then I just made a post about it. They're like, fourth is obviously not first and they get different rewards. So I would understand if fourth was like the equivalent of first with maybe like first getting a slight bonus, then like fourth could still be considered a win. But it's not because like I said, I also play team fight tactics. And if you get first through fourth, you get points five through eight, you lose points. So like fourth is not losing, which is great. But if I get first and I get that big boost of points, I can almost go up a whole level versus like fourth, giving you 10 nominal points to just be like, Hey, you did good. You know? And then I find out from other people that this is just common language in other games. Like, I think auto battle, most of them, I think if you finish top four, I think it's to be a win. Yeah, people just say that's a win. And not just that, it's company language, apparently. Like even in some of their, I think like Hearthstone Battlegrounds was mentioned as one that also says that. So I just found that interesting that I didn't realize this was a industry standard, I guess, to describe when you have these placements and you're getting points or losing points or whatever, that fourth place is a win. Because I don't think I would have ever said that or used those words. I probably still won't because it feels weird. But it's very common. 
And I was like, oh. I think because it is, you know, it's an automatic battle and they're taking into account that there's something, there is a large number of things you have no control. It's just sometimes you and you and the person that come in first are going for the same thing and they got the cards they needed and you didn't. <laughs> oh yeah. There's some randomness in the shops and the things you get to buy or whatever. Like I get all that, but it just feels weird still. Even having an understanding of why people say it and do it is just like, now I will say this from a marketing perspective, I do like the language because it's a way to get people to feel good. They're like, well, you know, I still got four. So that's solid. You know, like, oh yeah, it's still a win. So that's good. Maybe even in their language, when they're talking about it, they probably talk about X number of wins, X number of losses and people being able to say they have 15 wins as opposed to two wins probably feels a lot better. So I kind of get it. I mean, because even in Team Fight Tactics, when I talk about it, I talk about top fours and not, you know, because that's where your points are. But I don't really talk about wins. But interestingly, in the I have a uh, like a companion app for it, and it even separates. It'll say number of top fours and number of wins. So I don't know. I think there's lots to get because, like for example, poker. You know, if you finish in fourth place, but you knew when to cash out, it's still a win. You made money, but I ask, if I made ask money, the person didn't lose money. I'm gonna call that a win. Ask the person who is in that poker tournament. Hell, ask Dave Williams. He finished second in the World Series for three and a half, and first was five million. Here's there's a difference between second and first. Yeah, but is anybody un- really unhappy they walked away at 3.5? You had a good day. Oh, or no, no. Good, like, or a good week or how or how, how long they played. Or a good same night thing or whatever. in the games, right? I got points. That's cool. But it's, you know, 10 points is nice, but that 35 points would have been infinitely better. <laughs> you know? So that's all I'm saying. Like, I, it's interesting. But like I said, the more I thought about it, from a marketing perspective, the language makes a lot of sense because I think it makes your game come off more friendly and it's more encouraging. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think, you know, there was a thing I saw going around where uh, I can't, man, I wish I could remember the game. But I, anyway, the game was basically setting a mode to give you equivalent of like a God mode. So if you wanted to just run through the game and try all the stuff and see all the things, you would be able to. And some people were really upset about that. And my thought was, it kind of makes sense, right? If somebody wants to just enjoy the game and see all the stuff. And I don't know if you, you know, we kind of talk about people being ableist or not. I feel like there are some people that have disabilities that may not be able to play some of the games well, whether that's for, you know, quick twitch response or whatever. So having a mode where people can just go do that, I'm fine with it. And if I don't like it, I don't ever have to activate it. So, you know, like having games be more positive and, you know, work in a way that's more people friendly and encouraging makes sense. So to use the language of a top four being a win, I think that is more encouraging to a lot of people. And it's probably a smart move. I don't know who did it first. I think that would be interesting to go back and find out because it was definitely adopted around the industry when I wasn't looking, apparently. And I'm trying it works. To remember who... 
I, I haven't played Dota or is Dota Battle. I don't know if, whatever Dota's auto chess thing is. I don't know who was the first <laughs> to do the auto chess, but that's the first people I've seen do it. Is people that you know the, the auto chess genre. Yeah, I think Dota was the first. I don't know what language they use for that, but I would I should probably follow up because that's an interesting one. But yeah, uh, to kind of wrap up the show, we alluded to this earlier, but we're going to talk a little bit about people tying up their self-worth into games. Or really for other hobbies, for that matter. But we're going to focus on games because that's our specialty, obviously. Or just the game industry. You know, because I think it leads to a lot of unhealthy behavior. And actually, let's let's start by using the Blizzard Activision example. There were probably people who grew up playing World of Warcraft. Or who knows, StarCraft or whatever, right? And their goal was to work for that game or that company. And they finally got there. And they probably put up with a lot of the crap because they that that was the pinnacle for them and they couldn't let it go. You know, the same way that people will work for companies that don't pay them well or compensate them well in various ways because, yeah, I know I can make more over there, but I get to work on my favorite game over here. I certainly did that in journalism. Well, there you go, right? So, like, people do it in different jobs. But then it also comes down to, like, right now, I've, I'm on some different discords with various streamers. And they're kind of struggling because of all this Blizzard news. Because their game, you know, they're tied up in playing Warcraft or Call of Duty or whatever. And they're just like, wow, I like, I don't want to necessarily support them, encourage more people to buy their stuff right now. So, like, what do I do? Because their whole life for the last couple of years has been playing these games. And they don't even know what to do. They're lost right now. So, like... Then there's there's also the other aspect of us as gamers getting to where we feel we have to be good at a thing and be top tier just because we put time into it or whatever. So when they're failing, it's mentally crushing. And definitely, I think if you want to create content, there certainly is, you know, that you know, we talked about earlier, that pressure to succeed. Yeah. Because if you're asking people to watch you, like, oh, well, you know, I, I've had... I had somebody raid me while I was playing Magic, and somebody said, "Oh, they have jelly." Like, oh well, they didn't tell us you were platinum. Like, oh, well, you can't enjoy it because I'm platinum. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and that that comes up right where there are people who will tell you, like, well, some of their stuff gets more views when they're able to say they're mythic rank playing versus otherwise. And I did that for a little bit, and I was like, you know what? I could just make more fun content. Instead of wasting the time to just get to Mythic, I can just spend more time goofing around, testing decks or whatever, and just make more fun stuff and cultivate a whole different audience. Like, my thing was, if I'm going to do the content, then let's do it the way that builds the audience I want, other than me doing the thing to attract the audience I don't want. But I also get how people say, well, no, I have to be successful this. I have to get the most views. I have to get the most stream we watches or whatever so i gotta do it this way and that drives a pretty unhealthy mental state for people 
and it leads to them not enjoying what they're doing. Whether you're talking about streaming, working for these companies, designing stuff, whatever. And it's tough because just like you said, you know, even for you working for the paper, right? Like you grew up reading that paper and knowing the people who write for it. Like how hard was it for you to eventually leave that job? I I mean there were there were so I mean I had other job offers <laughs> things I would have enjoyed enjoyed doing more like no I, now some of that was money but some of that was also just you know I this is what I grew up reading I'm working with people whose column I grew up reading and thinking hey you know at some point they're gonna stop writing that column and maybe I'll get it and then you know that a column came open and I didn't get it it just you know I, I had to just be kicked in the face repeatedly <laughs> yeah and and i think that's what happened kind of when we talk about the blizzard thing right like people were dealing with i don't even have a polite word for it i mean just absolutely absurd situations but they were still putting up with it you know and it and it took something like this to just come to light where everybody's fine say okay yeah we we okay as a group we need to encourage each other and just not deal with this anymore but it shouldn't come to that. You know, same thing. after leaving, you know, after leaving Gannett, I go online and I see like all these, all these horror stories about what a terrible company that Gannett is to work for. And before that, I had no idea. It never even would have occurred to me that, you know, because I just do the local paper. I, I didn't think about it being part of a larger corporation that did things a certain way and didn't have the best reputation. Yeah. That's the thing, too. The parent company can be bad. But yeah, I think just too often, like we we forget to value ourselves, value our time and and our entertainment. You know, like if you're not enjoying a game, trying to do it a certain way or trying to achieve a certain level, then quit trying to achieve that. You can enjoy it a completely different way, just like we were talking about, right? If you only have fun playing the game in God mode or whatever, then do it. Who cares if somebody else doesn't? Like my experience is not going to be the same as yours for a lot of different Especially reasons. If you're playing the game just because you want, you enjoy the story and you want to see where the story goes. Absolutely. Use the cheat code, you know? I mean, I told you, I think I've said it here on the podcast before. There was one season of Madden where I finished in the top, you know, when I crossed like that top 200 level. I was stoked. And then I got my face kicked in by somebody who was like a top 20 player. And then I was like, well, I have a decision to make. I already had to play insane to get to this level. Obviously, I am still leagues worse than than the top 20 players in the world. So am I willing to do what it takes? And I thought about no, because then I will stop enjoying this game. And part of what it takes almost is to play that game exclusively. Oh, yeah. And any type of update, adjustment, whatever, like you have to be yeah. on top of it. Any, yeah, any patch, any, you know, any, especially play one of the ultimate team modes. Anytime they release a new set of packs, you're either figuring out how to do I buy packs? Because sometimes people like to see you open packs on the street, or do I just go buy the, Two hundred and fifty thousand dollar quarterback that I need. Yeah, in, in the auction house or whatever. Yeah, 
But then, and that's the whole thing. Like, if you paid to win, do you still feel good? And if you do, should you? Because sometimes it really is like, hey, this person just this person paid more than me. <laughs> They're not better. They just bought better players. Well, I'll I'll say this though. I I think it goes even a little further than that because to be that good, you also have to start spending a lot of time outside of the game to even just stay competitive. Like if I was going to still continue being great at Madden, I was going to have to also know like what the trends were. Like were people figuring out more plays with certain teams or, you know, did somebody figure out that, okay, you can slide your linebackers on defense right before the snap to get a little bit of an edge or something, right? Like There's you have to know those things are going on in the game that you're playing. So it's at just that like, point, are you still enjoying the game? Yeah, and that was you exactly make my thought. Fifteen adjustments, and you got to play some way that you know would never work in actual football, but in the yep. video game, it works every time. But that was the thing, right? And even my friends were like, "Dude, you could probably like play competitively and do this thing." And I was just like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to." And they were stunned, right? Because they were like, "Dude, you finally like none of us have finished that high and been in the rankings or whatever." And blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool and all, but like." I'm not willing to do what it takes and end up hating both my life and the game to be able to have that level of prestige. Like I, I, I mean, I get it. If that's what you want to do and you want to make it your job, then cool. You put in your, your six, seven, eight hours a day to it and more power to you. Like nothing wrong with that. But if you don't want it to be, then who cares? You got to have realistic expectations. You know, if, even 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 when we talk about like content creation, right? I talk to people who are like, "Oh, I see that you got this many followers or this many subscribers or whatever." Like, what can you tell me to help me out do this, whatever? And they just had no plan to ever be dedicated. So it's like, okay, how did you expect this was going to happen? When it's like, oh, well, I can only really spend like i don't know three hours a week making content where okay well that's cool then we can make a plan for three hours a week but you're not going to get to this level for probably about two and a half three years are you good with that you know because this is what you're working with but you can't again i I, if i wanted to be a top 10 competitive make money at madden player i was gonna have to dedicate way more time than i was and i wasn't willing to do that so i can't be mad that I immediately fell out of the top 200, never saw it again, right? Because I was not going to put in the time to get that high. It just, what even then, I had to play well. I got on a hot streak, you know, whatever. And like, even then I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a fun ride. But like, I'm not willing to play more than this. I still like reading and playing disc golf <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> playing board games and whatever like I going outside yeah i'm just not gonna do what it takes i, so I, I saw somebody's youtube video that plays nba 2k he called it like the the, the grass team and they're like, what is that for me, if you have this team you have never seen grass in your life <laughs> that's that's cold but true but yeah i think at the end of the day you we have to look at it and just say your self-worth should never be about a game. I don't care if you own the game and you're part of the company or whatever. Like, 
That's a job. That's a company. That's a thing. Like you as a person and the relationships you cultivate and, you know, the things you're doing for your community and all that other stuff, like those are things that should make up your self-worth. But just a made up status or an imaginary achievement or some marker in a game is meaningless, really, in the grand scheme of things. Unless, like I said, it's your actual job. Then I understand you putting pressure on yourself. Same way that if, a, if you know, an NBA player puts stress on themselves to do well in a game, I get it. If I go down to the Y to play a game of basketball, if we lose, I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I win, I will. Like, I don't get any more money endorsements, whatever, for winning or losing. I'm just out there playing a game of basketball. Like, I can go out and enjoy it and then go home. And I think we have to make that okay. Like, I, and I feel like it happens in other countries, but we have a very large problem in the U.S. that everything has to be about success or failure. Like, hell, we have trouble just accepting people enjoying the arts in the U.S. Because, well, what's that going to do? How much money is it going to make you? Blah, blah, blah. Like, she just enjoys painting. Let it go. Like, who cares? And I still remember when I was growing up, literally anything I was remotely good at, immediately the family was like, oh, well, maybe you're going to do this when you grow up. Oh, you could do this. Maybe let me go get you. Like, at one point, because I'd won a couple of awards playing instruments, it was immediately like, oh, well, let me get you this CD of this person. And maybe we should sign you up for this thing. And I'm like, what? Like, I just happen to be good at a thing. I didn't say I want to do this for a living. You know what I mean? But, and maybe it's minority population situation, or whatever. Like you just want your kids to be better and do better for the next generation or whatever. But that happened a lot. Where well, it's if, also hmm? it's America. You can't even get, you can't even go to the doctor if you ain't got a good enough job. So I get it. That's true. That's real true. So yeah, it's, I've seen that myself, you know, that literally anything I had any success at, the next question was just like, oh, okay, well, what do you plan to do with this? And it's just like, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm 10. I don't know you. Well, yeah, that dude, you, you're like, you say that, but like some of it, you know, they're, they're already signing me up to be like a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, yeah. at like age 12, because, you know, my grades are whatever. And I'm like, why? You know? I looked at that, and as soon as I found out, I was going to have to do whatever it is, like 12, 13 years of study and, and practicals and everything. I was like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> like, blew my family's mind, by the way. But I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to find something else to do. So, yeah, I get I get where the mentality comes from, but we got to make it normal to just say, like, you can just enjoy your games. There, You don't have to win. Hell, there's some board games I enjoy that... I may have won twice. So I'm like two for probably like 30. <laughs> but I just enjoy the experience of playing them. Like not everything. Not, like it's also tough when I see people say like, you know, a game they like, they're afraid to talk about it because they're not great at it or whatever. It's like, so what? You just enjoy the experience, the story it tells, the camaraderie, the laughs you get out of it, whatever. There's a bunch of things you can appreciate about a product or a game that don't have prestige attached attached to it like we got to make that okay 
hell, I'll admit some of the streamers or YouTube channels and stuff I watch that involve gaming, I'm not watching because they're top strategy. I'm watching because I enjoy the speaker. I'm watching because I just enjoy the weird shenanigans that are going on. And honestly, if I'm being real about it, if I just want to go see some people grinding a thing, whatever, whatever game it is, I can go find so many of those. Like, that's not unique, fun, different content. So if you're even trying to be seen in the content space doing that, unless you're exceptionally successful, you're going to have a harder time getting seen anyway. So you might as well do something different for fun. But yeah, self-worth. Don't attach it to your games, your hobbies, whatever. There are much more important things that should make up your self-worth. And it's not games. Just find a way to start enjoying your games and appreciating the things about them that aren't necessarily competitive, ranked, prestigious, whatever. And you'll probably have a much happier time and get to enjoy your games longer for a longer period of time. All right, Brian, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? Right. I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. You can find me on most social channels at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N, though that's the Power Dragon over on TikTok. And you can find me on YouTube every single day if you want to come by and catch a cool video. But as always, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, whatever is appropriate for you. And remember to still stay safe out there where you're back to wearing masks and everything else because, you know, COVID. But if you got to go out, just be safe, watch yourself, and let's get back to gaming and gathering. Maybe we'll see you out there sometime. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.